podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli Cultural Podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. This will be a short episode. I have only two parts for you today. In part one, I'll review our latest Primavera match, which was on Saturday. And in part two, I'll review our latest Femenile match, which was on Sunday. So let's start with the Primavera, who played against Cagliari at the weekend. Cagliari came into this match sitting in 11th position in the table, but the Primavera Uno is so tight this season that they were actually only three points behind us in second place. Cagliari's record was pretty much bang average. They had four wins, four draws, and three losses, with 14 goals scored and 14 goals conceded. They seem to be a bit of a streaky team. They started the season with two wins and a draw. That draw was then the first of four matches without a win, and then they've won their last two. They're also a team that tends to keep matches close. Only two teams have more draws than Cagliari this season. Lecce have six draws and Empoli have five. And other than their 5-3 loss to Sampdoria, every one of their wins and losses have been decided by a single goal. It wasn't going to be easy for Cagliari though, their coach Alessandro Agostini, attacking midfielder Isaias Del Pupo, and holding midfielder Bruno Conti were all suspended for this match. Meanwhile, Napoli were looking to get back on track after a 2-0 loss to Inter, where Inter were clearly the better side in the match. We were also missing a couple of key players, Davide Costanzo and Coli Sacco were both suspended for cards they picked up in the Inter match. However, we did recover Antonio Pesce, who missed the previous few matches due to injury. So with that, let's get to the starting lineups. Cagliari lined up in a 4-3-3 with Andrea Daniello in goal. Adam Obert and Luigi Palombo started at center back. Noah Astrin John played at left back and Sergio Sulis played at right back. Michele Carboni started as the regista behind Christos Kufalidis and Nicolo Cavuotti. Jacopo Desogus started on the left wing. Lisandro Tramoni started on the right wing. And Demir Sater played at striker. For Napoli, Frustalupi made three changes to the squad that he fielded against Inter. He lined up in his usual 3-4-2-1 formation with Huberi Dasiak in goal. Two of those changes were in the back line. Jonathan Spedalieri started in the center of the back three. That pushed Benedetto Barba to center right where he started over Daniel Hisai. And Musa Mane played at center left over the suspended Costanzo. With Sacco suspended as well, Antonio Vergara returned to the starting 11. He played in the center of the midfield alongside Alessandro Spavone. The rest of the squad remained unchanged. Matteo Marchisano played on the left side of the midfield and Domenico Di Dona played on the right. Antonio Cioffi and Giuseppe D'Agostino played as the two trequartisti and Giuseppe Ambrosino started up top. So those are the starting lineups. Next, let's get to the match. This was a really difficult match to watch for a number of reasons. First of all, it was literally difficult to watch because the camera was closer to the pitch than at most fields. So when the ball was on the far side of the pitch, it was difficult to make out what was going on. And if it wasn't for the commentary, you wouldn't know who had the ball. The playing conditions were absolutely dreadful for this match. It was extremely windy from start to finish. 
and about midway through the first half until just about before the end of the first half, it started to rain, which left drops on the camera lens, and that just made it even more difficult to see, but thankfully that rain eventually subsided. But more than anything, this match was difficult to watch for how poorly Napoli played. Other than maybe the 6-1 loss to Sampdoria, this was probably our worst performance of the season. In fact, it might have even been worse than that match. In that Sampdoria match, we kept it close until the Blue Chair Cathy scored their third goal in the 80th minute, and then the wheels fell off and Sampdoria added three goals in the final five minutes. But at least for most of that match, we kept it close. In this match, Cagliari dominated from start to finish. The playing conditions seemed to affect us a lot more than it did our adversaries. By my count, we had a total of 3 shots on target in the entire match, and one of them wasn't even intentional. The first shot was a free kick taken by Vergara from the right side of the field. It was actually a cross that drifted on target and was caught rather easily by Daniello. The other two shots were both by Giovanni Mercurio, who replaced Didona in the 56th minute, but both shots were straight at the keeper. On the first, he picked up the ball on the right side of the midfield, he dribbled through a couple of Cagliari players, and he hit the ball hard, but like I said, it was straight at Daniello. The build-up to the second shot was a bit better. Ambrosino played a quick give-and-go with Trophy on the left wing before scoring the ball to Vergara at the top of the box. Vergara dummied the ball, which created the space for Mercurio to take the shot. Even though it was straight at Daniello, he didn't deal with it all that well. The shot bounced in front of the keeper and he wasn't able to control the rebound, but Sulis was there to clear the danger. That was one of the few times in the match we showed some creativity in attack. The problem is it was already the 82nd minute at that point. Now, it wasn't entirely down to poor play by our boys. We also have to give Cagliari credit for how well they played. In the defensive phase, they pressed high when we had the ball deep in our own half, and that forced us to go long, and more often than not, we just gave the ball right back to them. When we were able to get out of our own half, all of Cagliari's midfielders and forwards raced back into their half, which often put us at a numerical disadvantage. So even though we were able to advance the ball to the final third, Once we got there, it was like we ran into a brick wall. In the attacking phase, Cagliari did really well from set pieces. In fact, they scored twice from the exact same set piece from a corner kick. The first was scored in the 18th minute. Manet actually made a nice tackle on Tramoni to force the corner kick. Carboni played a short corner to Desogus. He took a couple of touches, then returned the ball to Carboni, who played an in-swinging cross into the area. For some reason, Barba, Vergara, and Spedaliari all converged on the near post, which left Palomba wide open in front of the goal. He just needed to get a touch on the ball, which he did with his knee, to beat a helpless Idasiak and give Cagliari the lead. Cagliari's third goal, which was scored in the 65th minute, came off the exact same set piece. The only difference was that Carboni overhit his cross. Idasiak went up for the catch and got his hands on the ball, but he dropped it. Once again, Palomba was waiting on the goal line to tap the ball, and actually this time, he scored with a diving header. I thought the second goal, which was scored in the 27th minute, was the nicest of the three. Cagliari patiently worked the ball around the back before Desogus played a gorgeous through ball to Seter. Seter, who was played onside by Mane, chased the ball down, had a quick look up, and beat Idasiak with his left. Idasiak got a hand on the ball, but it wasn't strong enough to keep it out. I mentioned the patient buildup. Cagliari completed 14 consecutive passes in the buildup to the goal, so that was a really lovely goal. Cagliari nearly added a fourth goal on a couple of occasions. In the 67th minute, Desogus carried the ball down the left wing, cut into his right, and put a powerful shot on target, but Idasiak made an impressive reaction save. 
Then in the 70th minute, Carboni played a long ball again to Desogus, who I thought was one of Cagliari's best players in the match. He took on Barba 1v1 and beat him, but he had to go wide to get around the defender. That left him with a tight angle to shoot from, and Idasia quickly closed him down to make the save. Other than a shot by D'Agostino early in the match that sailed over the bar, our best chance didn't come until the final 20 seconds of stoppage time. Francesco Gioielli, who replaced Pavona in the second half, won a free kick on the edge of the area. Chofi tried to go under the wall, but his shot was blocked by the Crocodile, which for those of you who don't know is the term that Marcelo Brozovic coined to describe the player lying down behind the wall. He used it to block a Luis Suarez free kick in the Champions League, and it's become a technique that a lot of clubs employ now, including at the Primavera level. Other than that free kick, we created next to nothing in the attack. There weren't many positives to take away from this loss. The only positive takeaway that I had was the play of Jonathan Spedalieri. He was a regular starter last season under Emmanuel Cascione, but Frusta Lupis preferred a back three of Barba, Hisai, and Costanzo with Mane as the backup. So this was a rare start for Spedalieri this season. Now, I don't know if he went through a growth spurt over the summer or what happened, but he looked a lot bigger to me. I thought he had an excellent match, though he made a couple of really nice slide tackles to clear the danger after Desogus got behind our back line. He did make one dangerous play where he tried to dribble out of the back and conceded possession in a dangerous area. Fortunately, the shot from Desogus missed the target, but all in all, I thought Spedalietti was one of our better players. So hopefully he's earned himself some more playing time with that performance. With the loss, we dropped down to 5th in the table, which is actually not as bad as I was expecting. Torino moved into 2nd after beating Fiorentina. Inter and Cagliari are now level with us on 19 points. Cagliari obviously beat us in this match, and Inter tied Genoa, who are now in 6th with 18 points. Three other teams have 18 points as well. Atalanta moved up with a 4-0 win over Pescara. Juve tied Lecce 1-1, and Fiorentina stayed put with that loss to Torino. Empoli remained on 17 points with a 3-0 loss to Bologna, and three teams are tied on 16 points. Sampdoria, who lost to Milan. Milan are quietly working their way up the table, and Sassuolo and Hellas Verona after the former beat the latter 2-0. The Azzurini will be back in action bright and early on Sunday with a big test against top-of-the-table Roma, who are now 9 points clear of Torino in second place. Hopefully we can get something out of this match, Otherwise, we'll be looking at three consecutive losses. That will do for part one. In part two, we'll review our latest Feminile match. Welcome to part two of the Forza Napoli podcast. Next, let's review our latest Feminile match, which was against Pomigliano. This was another massive match in the battle for survival, and it was the first ever Campano derby in the Serie A Feminile. Pomigliano came into this match sitting in 8th place, only 3 points ahead of us after suffering 3 consecutive losses. They lost 4-2 to Sassuolo, then they lost 2-0 to Milan, and in the previous round, they lost 3-1 to Fiorentina. Napoli hadn't fared much better lately, we lost to Sassuolo as well, 1-0, and then we lost to Empoli by the same scoreline. That was another match against a direct competitor, which only emphasized the importance of this match. We had to play it without a couple of key players. Depi Chatsi Nicolau was still out injured and Paola Di Marino was not fit to start. We were also without Jimena Blanco, but she hasn't played a whole lot this season anyway. We did, however, get Sola James back. She completed her three-match suspension for the incident after the Sampdoria match. 
So with that, let's get to the starting lineups. Pomigliano lined up in a 4-3-3 with Sada Satinha in goal. Ivy Luik and Danielle Cox started at center back. Ex-Napoli player Martina Fuzzini played at left back and Augustine Ejangwe played at right back. Diusio Vaitukaitite started in the center of the midfield with Georgia Tudisco to her left and Zana Ferrario to her right. Giuseppina Moraka started on the left wing, Maria Banusic started on the right wing, and Deborah Rinaldi started at striker. For Napoli, Domenichetti and Castorina made a number of changes to the squad they fielded against Empoli. They lined up in the 4-2-3-1 again with Yolanda Aguirre in goal. Hedin Corrado started over Di Marino alongside Emily Garnier at center back. Sedia Bramson moved over to right back where Kaya Ertzen played against Empoli. And Maria Awana started at left back. Emma Severini got a rare start playing in the double pivot alongside Sara Tui. With a Bramson at right back and Severini in the midfield, Eleonora Goldoni and Kaya Ertsen were freed up to play on the wings. Goldoni played on the left and Ertsen played on the right. That relegated Martina Tognolo and Francesca Imprezza Abile to the bench. Evi Popadinova started in the 10 and Sole James started over Maddalena Porcarelli at striker. So those were the starting lineups. Next, let's get to the match. Pomigliano immediately went into attack and came close to scoring only 3 minutes in. Their corner was poorly dealt with and the ball rolled to Moraka. She hit the ball low and hard, but the shot hit the outside of the upright and stayed out. It didn't take long for Pomigliano to open the scoring though. In the 12th minute, Vaitukaitite intercepted Abramson's pass and Pomigliano immediately launched a counter with Banusic carrying the ball in the middle of the park. She passed to Tudisco at the edge of the area and Tudisco played a gorgeous first time pass to Rinaldi who got behind Awona. Rinaldi fired on target and though Aguirre got a piece of the shot, she wasn't able to prevent Pomigliano from taking the early lead. You could see that Pomigliano were really up for this match. They had some beautiful sequences of passes like in the 18th minute starting from a throw-in. Rinaldi played a lovely backheel flick to Tudisco and she chipped the ball forward to Moraka. She made a beautiful turn to get past Garnier and even though her weak effort was stopped by Aguida, the way Pomigliano created that chance was really impressive. We also had moments where we moved the ball beautifully but they were fewer and farther between and often the final ball was lacking. In the 24th minute, Garnier played the ball to Sada Tui in the midfield. She touched it forward to Severini, who quickly played the return pass, but Tui's through ball rolled harmlessly into the gloves of Cetinha. Napoli nearly equalized only a minute later. Once again, we caught Pomigliano on the break. Popadinova spotted Tui at the edge of the area. She put an excellent shot on target that was destined for the bottom corner, but Cetinha made a fantastic save. Momentum was beginning to shift in our favor and things only improved for us in the 34th minute when Moraka was shown a straight red card. The play started with Moraka kicking the ball away after she was called for an offside. Severini had some choice words for Moraka who was clearly fired up. Then Ertzen came over and gave Moraka a shove which Ertzen probably should have been cautioned for but Moraka's reaction was simply unacceptable and she was rightfully sent off. It looked like she tried to push Ertzen in the back of the head right after she turned around and anytime you hit an opponent in the head you're really asking for trouble. So Ampli were forced to play for nearly a full hour down a player. Despite the red card, both sides continued to create chances, not just Napoli. In the 38th minute, Sola threaded the ball through to Ertzen on the right side of the area. Ertzen fired a powerful shot towards the near post, but Cetinha was well positioned to make the save. Pomigliano responded a few minutes later with a chance of their own, again created with some lovely passing. Vaitukaitite played a give-and-go with Banusic before swinging the ball out wide to Ejangwe. 
She played the ball to Ferrario, who received the pass, turned back, and played the ball back to Ejangwe. She crossed it into the area to Banusic, who backed off Garnier, took a touch, then volleyed on target, but Aguirre made the save. That was the final chance of the first half, which ended 1-0 for Pomigliano. The second half started the same way the first half ended, with both sides creating chances. That was rather disappointing. I was hoping to see Napoli be a little bit more aggressive in the press, considering we had an extra player. Instead, we were sitting back and allowing Pomigliano to maintain possession and come at us. However, for a brief moment, we thought we equalized after the restart. Popadinova received the throw-in, carried the ball into the area, and picked out Goldoni at the top of the box. Her shot was blocked, but the ball popped up in the air and Popadinova volleyed it into the back of the goal. Unfortunately, Popadinova was in an offside position, so the goal didn't stand. That was something Pomigliano did really well throughout this match. Their defenders maintained a strong line and pushed up as a unit, constantly catching our forwards offside. Nevertheless, we continued to push for the equalizer. We got another chance around the hour mark. Sola made a great play around midfield to start the break. Napoli passed the ball around to Abramson on the right wing. She put a dangerous cross into the area, but again Satinia was there to make a strong catch. The pressure was beginning to mount and about 5 minutes later we finally scored a deserved equalizer. Popadinova made an excellent play on the left wing, then cut into her right and placed a perfect cross to the back post. Ertzen got to the ball first and put her header off the upright. There was a bit of a scramble in front of the goal, so I couldn't tell whether it was Ertzen or Abramson who tapped the ball to Goldoni on the goal line. She touched the ball into the empty goal to score her fourth of the Serie A campaign and her fifth in all competitions. Surprisingly, only a few minutes after making a great play on the goal, Popadinova was replaced by Ariana Akuti. Popadinova was visibly upset with being taken off, and she was absolutely right to be upset. She was having an excellent match. Eriksson is always great, so you couldn't take her off, but Sole was pretty quiet, so I'm surprised we removed Popadinova instead of Sole. Credit to Pomigliano, if you didn't know better, you'd think they were playing 10v10. In the 71st minute, we saw more of their lovely passing. Substitute Dalila Ippolito and Vaitukatike played three quick passes before Ippolito crossed the ball to Tedesco. She took a touch, turned and fired, but her shot just missed the far post. And then the unexpected happened. In the 83rd minute, Pomigliano regained their lead. Tedesco played a long ball forward to Ippolito to chase. For some reason, Awona was in the center of the pitch, which left the entire right wing open. Ippolito got to the ball first and scored an absolute golazzo to put Pomigliano back on top. First, she took on Corrado 1v1, and in truth, she got a little bit lucky. They basically ran into each other, but somehow Ippolito came away with the ball. Her next move was all skill, though she made a lovely rouletta to get past substitute Ilaria Capitanelli before firing a low shot through the legs of Aguirre. Domenichetti and Castorina responded with two changes, replacing Severini with Porcarelli and Goldoni with Colombo. Again, I don't understand how they could remove our best player and top goal scorer when we needed a goal, and instead, they left an out-of-form Sola James on the pitch. The Porcarelli change seemed to work though. In the second minute of stoppage time, she won a free kick in a dangerous area. Saratui took the free kick, but she struck it well over the bar, and that pretty much summed up how this match went. So the match finished 3-0, ending Pomigliano's losing streak at 3 games, and extending our losing streak to 3 games. This result was beyond disappointing, particularly because it came immediately after the loss to Empoli. That means that since Pistolesi was sacked, 
which was a decision I did not agree with. We've lost both of our matches, and they were both against direct rivals. To make matters worse, Empoli tied Fiorentina, so at the midway point of the season, we are now 5 points back of Empoli and 6 points back of Pomigliano and Fiorentina. Thankfully, we beat Fiorentina in our first meeting, but the return fixtures against Pomigliano and Empoli will make or break our season. As far as I'm concerned, unless we go on some sort of crazy run in the second half, those two matches are must-wins. Otherwise, if we finish tied with those teams on points, they will own the tiebreakers with a better head-to-head record. The Femminile will be back in action on Saturday for the second and final match of the Coppa Italia group stage. By the time you hear this, this match will probably already have been played, but this is actually an important match. For those who don't know, there are eight groups of three teams, and each team plays the other teams in its group only once, meaning the entire group stage consists of only two matches per team. We tied Kevo Verona women in our first match, then we got lucky that Kevo also tied Empoli, That means the winner of this match will advance to the knockout stage. What would be really interesting is if we tied 1-1 because that would mean that all four matches finished with the exact same result and therefore all three teams would be tied in every single category. Presumably at that point they would just do a random draw to determine who advances to the knockout stage which would be pretty wild. So that will do for this review. Before I close the episode, be sure to check out our Napolitan song of the week, which is now up on our Twitter page. This week's song is Fede and Marlen, Fragile. That's probably their most popular song, but they have so many great songs. They actually just dropped a new album on Wednesday, I believe, so be sure to check that out as well. So that will do for this short episode. If you liked what you heard, please share it with a friend and leave us a rating on your favorite podcast platform. As always, if you need to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5, or you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forza Napoli Pod. I'll be back with another episode soon, but until then, I'm Joe Fischetti, Forza Napoli sempre! Podcast Network.